0: Thank you for tuning in to Emanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Home is where our story begins. As we take our first breath and are welcomed into the world, not in a place made of wood and stone, but in the hearts of those who love us. Home is where we learn what life is all about, the joy and sorrow, the laughter and the pain, the many lessons that will carry us through a lifetime. Home is a place to belong, a place to become who you were made to be, a place that though at times we may leave, never leaves us. Home is where we learn to walk, where we learn to hope, where we learn to dream, and where we learn to love. Home is the heart of our journey, the roots from which we grow the shelter in the storm, and the wind on our backs. Home is where love lives forever. Emmanuel Faith family, welcome home.
1: can't tell you how many runs I went on over the last 13 months where that song, The Goodness of God, was played on repeat. (laughs) I'm just going, God, I'm holding on to that, that you're good, that you're faithful, that you're strong, and that you love us. And after 13 months, I just want to say, welcome home. Welcome home. I, I think of... I think of those times uh, being away at college where I would come home on Christmas break and my parents would be there with arms extended to say, welcome home. I I think of the videos you've seen of men and women deployed serving our military who come home to uh, a welcome, welcome home. I I think of the story of the prodigal son where... The father welcomes home his son. I just imagine him whispering in his ears as he embraces him with tears in his eyes and saying, welcome home, welcome home. It's usually a significant moment of of reuniting. And I think it's the moment that we find ourselves in today. So whether this is your first time here, your first time back, your first time in a long time, or you haven't missed a Sunday, I just want you to hear me say to you, welcome home. And today we're at a crossroads. I think we're at a moment of transition where we're moving from one season into the next. And I'm not saying that COVID is done, you're well aware that it's still a thing for sure. But I think today marks a significant shift for us as a community of faith. I was reminded of a story that I heard a number of years ago. It was of a man who was out hunting and he sort of lost track of where he was and he went tumbling over the side of a cliff and his reflexes kicked in and he reached out hoping to grab something and his hands hit a branch and he found himself hanging off the side of the cliff just clinging to life on this little branch that stood out from the cliff. He was alone, but he, his instincts kicked in and he cried out, is anyone there? Can you help me? And much to his surprise, he heard a voice in response. And the voice said, I'm here. What do you want? And he said, I want to get back up there. <laughs> you moron, right? No, just kidding. I want to get back up there. Please help me. And here's what the voice said The voice responded and said, Don't panic. I'll get you to safety. But you must do one thing in order for that to happen. And the man clinging to his life said, Anything, I will do anything to make it to safety. And the voice responded with five words. Here's what he said Let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. And the man clinging to his life stood, clung there, and the weight of those words hit him, and he began to think, and he responded after a few moments and said, Is anybody else up there? <laughs> and I think that's the way that transition often feels, isn't it? There's a, a letting go of what was before there's an actualization of what will. I think it's probably how Justin Timberlake felt when he left NSYNC. I think it's probably how Michael Jordan felt as he left the basketball court and uh, went on to the baseball field. Do you guys remember that Michael Jordan played baseball? That's crazy. I think it's probably how Abraham felt when he left Ur, how the Israelites felt as they left Egypt, how David felt after being anointed the king and yet finding himself on the run from Saul, I think it's how the disciples felt as Jesus laid in the ground on that Saturday. Let go before you know what's coming in the future. It was March 12th of 2020 that a group of leaders from our staff and our elders gathered in my office and we had a conversation about temporarily suspending in-person worship, in-person worship gatherings. In my mind, that was just absolutely um, a non-category in that moment. And as we prayerfully discerned, we decided, okay, we're going to pause meeting for a little while together at the advice of the medical professionals in the state. And so that night I went home and I rewrote a sermon and I grabbed our tech and video crew and I said, you guys, um, we're going to go out to Lake Hodges and we're going to film a video in the rain about the way that God meets us in the storms. And we did that and we walked away from that and I thought, "Well, wow, that was sort of fun we should do that for a few weeks. (laughs) And 58 weeks later, we filmed our last outside video sermon. And actually, Jared Zacharias is right there, and he filmed all of those except for the first few. Did an absolutely amazing job. And then we went into a season of worshiping outside on the field together at night because it was too hot to worship during the days and there was just this sweet spirit that developed outside wasn't there Uh, just a desire to meet with each other and to meet with God and all the technology was stripped away and it was just sort of us coming together before our father saying, we, we need you to move and to work in our midst if this thing is gonna survive and if this thing is gonna make it. And in June of last year, our elders also moved to start remodeling this worship space. You know, as we sought the Lord, we really felt like this was a Kairos moment, a moment of opportunity where we weren't gonna be meeting in here and we had this, this time period and we wanted to make the most of it and I just want to publicly say thank you to so many people who have worked so hard in order to make this space a reality hundreds and hundreds of hours behind the scenes praise God praise God And I'm always struck, Emmanuel Faith, I'm always struck by the way that this body is so generous with their time, their talents, and their treasures, and God is doing a good work in our midst. As I was getting ready for today, I was reminded that the Chinese script, the character for crisis is two images, two symbols that are put together. One is danger, and the other is, any guesses? Opportunity. Opportunity. And it's these two sides of the same coin that I think we find ourselves holding today. The potential for catastrophe and at the same time, pregnant with opportunity. Author Leonard Sweet noted that the idea behind the Hebrew word for crisis is the same as that of a birth stool, the experience of childbirth in so many ways and encapsulates so much of what a, a crisis is. There's a, a, there are moments of great pain, so I've heard. <laughs> and then afterwards comes the joy of bringing new life into the world. It pain, and at the same point, newness. This seems to be the deliberate emphasis of Scripture, that crisis presents a tension that also carries with it opportunity. And I get this sense, I get the sense that in the the letting go, in the crisis, there's also been a birth. There's been something new that's been stirred in our midst. And that's true of every church community that has survived this COVID season. And I would just tell you, not everyone has. But we have, and it's changed us a little bit. We're a little bit of a different church today than we were 13 months ago. But that kinetic energy of opportunity often also feels like tension in our soul, doesn't it? Because change means something is different. Something isn't the same. And that's why change is really, really difficult. And luckily for us, we have a guidebook on how to navigate seasons like this. We're we're not the first community of faith to walk through a season of change. And I just wanna sink our anchor into a passage of scripture today that might help us give language and might help excavate some of the things that we're feeling in our soul that will help us move forward in a healthy way. If you have your Bible, will you open with me to Ezra chapter three? Ezra chapter 3. And let me give you some context as you're turning there with me. The nation of Israel had been in exile for 70 years. That's a really long COVID season, yes? Really long. And under King Cyrus in Persia, there was about 50,000 Jews who were released to go back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding the temple. The book of Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem. The book of Ezra is about the rebuilding of the temple, which in so many ways was the heart of the Jewish people. And listen to the way that Ezra recounts the beginning of this rebuilding. Verse 9 of chapter 3. Here's the way it reads. And Joshua with his sons and his brothers and Kabmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Hanadad and the Levites and their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. Quick time out. This is a huge moment. For 70 years, people have been wondering if that day would come. You think 13 months is a long time. Can you imagine the people laying in bed at night wondering, God, are you going to restore us? God, are we ever going to meet together again? God, are we going to be able to offer a sacrifice of praise to you? And when they laid the foundation of this new temple, it wasn't just a new space that was being created. It was a new season that was being launched into. In fact, biblical scholars would refer to this season as Second Temple Judaism. It carried the season, carried the name of the space. And I think the same is true for us today, Emmanuel Faith. See, the significance of today, of this moment, is not solely about a new space, although that's really, really exciting and really, really cool. The significance of today is that we're entering into a new season. Things are different. We couldn't go back even if we wanted to. Good luck finding mauve carpet. We couldn't go back if we want to. And I think there's this question that just sort of hangs in the air a little bit today. At least it hangs in my heart. How do we enter into a new season in a healthy and whole way? How do we enter into a new season in a way that allows us to flourish as we move into the future? Because here's the reality, friends. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Change is here. Began 13 months ago, it's still here today. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And here's the reality, change can either shut you down or it can open you up. It can either be a weight that sits on you and keeps you where you're at, or it can be a catapult that launches you into the future. You get to decide. Am I going to grow in the midst of all of this change. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Please listen in on this. Here's the deal. Today, I do not want to call you to embrace, agree with, or even celebrate change. That's not my goal today. That's not my hope today. You may have walked in here and gone, wouldn't have chosen that color. (laughs) You may have walked in and and thought, I thought they were going with the big LED walls. (laughs) They're massive, aren't they? Uh, You may have walked in and thought a whole lot of different things, right? I am not asking you to agree with, to celebrate, to clap about change. I am challenging you to choose growth in the midst of it. And I love the way that the ancient Israelites give us a, a blueprint. They give us a pathway for how we can be people who grow in the midst of change. Let me show this to you. Verse 11 Ezra will pick up the story. It says, after they laid the foundation, Ezra wrote this. And they sang responsively. I'm sure they had the same LED walls we have, right? They're following along, singing. They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. And here's what they said. For he is good. His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house was laid. They're quoting King David from when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And he echoed this same refrain. God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Forever. And I love this picture, you guys, because after 70 years in exile, what do you say to God? What was all that about? God, where were you when? God, why, why didn't you move and work? God, why did you allow this? God, what? I don't get No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. The people of God, after 70 years in exile, they say back to God, you are good through and through. That's who you are. And your love has met us and carried us Every step of this journey, they use two of my favorite Hebrew words when they praise God. It's first is the word tov. Will you say that with me? Tov. It means good. The second word they use is the word chesed. Will you say that with me? Chesed. I should have had you put your mask on for that one, okay? Um, (laughs) And they're just pointing back to the character of God. Chesed means his loving kindness, his steadfast faithfulness. It means when you let God down, he will not let you go. And they're just stepping into a stream that's been flowing. I mean, King David wrote about God's goodness and his faithfulness and his love. He said this, Surely, goodness and mercy, tov and chesed, follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the nation of Israel, at the end of their exile, points back to those 70 years and goes, even in exile even in exile. And I just want us today, I, I, don't, I don't know how you're programmed, I'm sort of like, what's next? Like, like God, let's, this is great, this is awesome, but there's another mountain to climb. And I think today we need to pause, and we need to look back we need to look back over these last 13 months further if you want to, but I think the goal for today in part is to see the way that God's hand sustained us and strengthened us and the way that he poured his love out on us in a season that we probably wouldn't have chosen or dreamed up on our I think the first call, if we're gonna move forward in a healthy way, is to praise God for his past faithfulness. My guess is that you saw the hand of God and that you experienced the love of God in new and fresh ways in the midst of the pain and brokenness of this last season. See, because it's in the cracking and it's in the breaking that we're opened up and we're reawakened to the love of the Father in new and fresh ways. In fact, in fact, God tells Israel that's one of the reasons he was allowing them to be called into exile in the first place. Listen to the way that he said it through the Hosea, he said, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness. Read 70 years of exile. Why? To speak tenderly to her. Maybe there, maybe there, their ears will be opened, their hearts will be opened in order to hear and to receive in a new and fresh way. Raise your hand if that happened for you over the last 13 months. You saw God's hand move and work. You experienced his love in new and fresh ways over this last season. Me too. Me too. But I think it also shows us that God sustains us and he grows us in those seasons. I love the way that Lisa Turkhurst put it when she said this, what if the wilderness season we want to avoid is the faith deepening season our soul really needs? or strengthened, that we're met in the seasons that we often wouldn't choose. You know, over the last 13 months, I've been reminded that the church isn't a building. The building's cool, don't get me wrong, but it's not the church. You are the church. We are Are the church. It's a group of people who are centered around the worship of Jesus committed to one another through thick and thin when we're close and when we're distant. And we haven't always agreed with each other during the season, have we? You don't have to say amen so loud, okay? But we've done our best to love each other because that's what family does. And we've seen the hand of God move in our midst. One quick story. Um, when we preached on the early church in Acts chapter two a few weeks ago, there was a, a couple that came up to us afterwards and said, I, I know of a widow who, this is her church family. She doesn't have any other family and she's out of money and the government's um, uh, not coming through for her and she needs help and we're willing to come alongside. And we went, praise God for like a, a few days or weeks or what. No, no just as long as it takes. And you guys, my heart just exploded because I'm going, this is the church. The church is people together saying we're on a journey together. And when you need something that I have, I'm there. That we love each other, that we give for each other, that we sacrifice for each other. And in so many ways, this season has reawakened that in my heart and my mind and my soul. This building is great, but you're the church. You're the church. God has been faithful to us and I love the way that this, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever, just echoes as they pour the foundation of the temple. May it echo in here as we meet for the first time. He is good and his steadfast love endures forever. See, remembrance, friends, is the fuel for faithfulness in the future, it is the fuel. And I would encourage you, if you've seen God's love and faithfulness in some new and fresh way in this season, set up a reminder. Set up an Ebenezer, if you will, of God's faithfulness. We, we built one into this space, and I want to tell you about it at the end of our time together. But it's really interesting because as much as they're celebrating, there's also some conflicting emotions that are present in the midst of the people of God, as they lay this foundation. Listen to it. Verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' house, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of the house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy, So that the people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shouts from the sound of people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard from far away. Isn't it interesting that the same event causes for some shouts of joy, and for others, deep lament and weeping? You know, it's as though grief... And joy grow up in the same field. You can't tear out one without uprooting the other. Scholars go back and forth on why are the people weeping. Uh, But they nail it down and try to say, well, we can find out why they're weeping because of who it says is weeping. It's the people that had what? Seen the first house. They'd seen the temple. Solomon's temple. Many suggest that the stones that they were using to rebuild the second temple weren't quite as big as the stones they used to build the first. We don't exactly know why they're weeping. I started to wonder. I wonder if they were weeping because they remembered the way that God met them in that former space and wondered, will he meet us here in the same way? I wonder if they were lamenting the people that they had worshipped right alongside of that were no longer there anymore. Some weren't able to make the journey, others had passed away. I wonder if they were comparing. You remember Solomon's temple? That was amazing. There is no way this is going to be as good as that i wonder if they were remembering the songs they used to sing and going i bet we're going to sing new songs this new temple everything's got to be new 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 because new is better right i wonder if there were those who still remembered their parents taking them by the hand Walking them up to that former temple and that feeling of family and hope and life. And I wonder if in the laying of that foundation, if everything just came flooding back to this nation of Israel. Where there used to be comfort, now discomfort. Where there used to be security, it felt like insecurity. See, transition and change have the ability to make us weep. And there are some of you, you're sitting here today, and there's something stirred up in your heart and soul. You may even go, man, I love it. I love what's going on here. I'm so on board. But there's also this sense of, it's not what it was. And there's a pain. And I just want to tell you that we have a deep enough faith in order to hold both the joy and the pain the joy, and the sorrow all together at one. Yes, there is the realization we are not going back to what we were before. There's some things that have died and we are moving forward. And if that is difficult for you, I just wanna say, one, I'm with you. There's some things that are difficult for me also, but there's space to feel exactly how you feel. And if we're gonna move forward, in a way that honors Jesus and makes the most of his name, we have to process our emotions honestly. Change is hard because it meant something had to die. And I started to look at all the different changes that have been made in the last 13 months. This is nowhere near an exhaustive list. It's just focusing on worship services and space. I mean, the pews are gone. Moth is no more, okay? Right now, we have only one classic service. Resonate isn't happening in the chapel. The contemporary service is no more. Our Saturday night service is online only. Our Spanglish service is done. Oh, and by the way, we completely remodeled the entire worship center. There's a lot. There's a lot that's gone on. And healthy, processing is about dealing with reality, not burying your head into a fantasy and pretending it all away. It's looking at it, and it's asking Jesus to meet you in it. Any spirituality that does not have a place for lament is not worth holding on to. But let me encourage you, because if we don't do this well, If we don't process what's going on inside of us, if we just stuff it down or ignore it, if we don't actually deal with it, it will squirt out sideways and a root of bitterness will start to grow in our midst. So name it. If this is where you're at, I just want to tell you that's okay today. Name it. And I love that the people of God, that the community of faith is tight-knit enough where they can hold in the same place and same event some who weep and some who shout for joy. They don't say to everybody, well, this is how you should feel about that. Don't should on me. No. There's no should feel about this. How do you feel? And then bring it to the Lord. And ask him to meet you in it. But let me say this while the people of God have different emotions around change, they move forward together in unity. See, their emotions around change don't determine how they move forward. Uh, Look at the way that Ezra chapter 4, verse 1, right after this weeping and shouting for joy, Listen to what happens next. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay, just stop there. What they didn't say was, you know, when they heard that the people who were shouting for joy were building. When they heard that the people who were all on board and excited were rebuilding. When they heard that the people who were excited about change were rebuilding. No, no, no. Who's rebuilding? Everybody. Everybody that came back was a part of what God was doing in the future. And so I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're all in. And I would just challenge you, have patience with people who aren't in the same spot that you are. Maybe you're lamenting and that is perfectly okay. Take note, process. And then I would encourage you, join moving forward. But maybe you're sort of one of those like, I'm just gonna wait and see how this thing all plays out. Let's see where this goes. What I wanna encourage you to do It's to take inventory of what God has done in your past and ask him to give you faith for the future. Because friends, we are on a journey together and I want to call you to press toward the future in unity. Press towards the future in unity. And you know I want to drill into this for just a few minutes today because I think it's really important. How do we do that? And I, as I read through the book of Ezra to try to get a context for this moment that we're sort of parachuting into today, there was a few things that stood out to me that laid the foundation for them to be able to do this. Listen to the way that the story began in Ezra chapter 1 verses 5 and 6. It says, "This is as they're getting ready to go back to Jerusalem." Then rose up the heads of the fathers' house of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. And I love this picture because some people go up and they are part of the Rebuilding effort. And some people say, we've got resources that you need. Take them as you go. But we are in this together. And as we press toward the future, I want to challenge you. Will you ask God what part he wants you to play? What party wants you to play? And you can go to one of those rally booth tables that are at our exits on your way out to figure out where you could fit in what God is doing right here in our day and our time. But second, please notice that even though God was in their midst and God was for them and God was moving them in so many ways behind the scenes, they still faced adversity. They still ran up against a brick wall at times. Because anytime people step out in faith and they follow God boldly, they always find resistance, both externally and internally. And here's the thing. We will too. We will too. And I'm going to call on you today to choose courage in the face of adversity. Choose courage in the face of adversity. We won't back down, friends, because God is for us and we long to be obedient to him and to see his name made great, not just in this room and this space, but throughout our county and to the ends of the earth. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And finally, as I read towards the end of the book of Ezra, they had this strong beginning and then it says this, well, Ezra prayed and made Confession. See, the people's hearts had been sort of taken astray. They'd started to marry people of different faiths, and in so many ways, their hearts were getting carried away from God. And Ezra, at the very end of this book, says, yes, this is a moment of transition, but in the midst of all that's changing physically, don't lose sight of what's happening spiritually. Don't lose sight of what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. And I want to challenge you today to use this as an opportunity to recommit yourself to Jesus, to say back to him, God, search me and know me. If there's anything off or offensive within me, point it out to me, God. I don't just want this to be about a new space. I want this to be about a new season in my life, in my heart. A new season invites us to new levels of devotion. And see, today, today, as we stand at this, crossroads of what was and what will be. We stare change in the face. It's here. It is here for us. But in the midst of so many things that have changed and are changing in this cultural moment, I am so grateful that there are some things that will never change. And I would argue, I would argue that those things are the most important things. I told you earlier on in the message that we built an Ebenezer into our space, a way to remember God's faithfulness to us in the past. And I wanna share that story with you now.
2: When Ryan was coming on as the head pastor, I just happened to be finishing up my first cross art piece and I just happened to pass Ryan on campus one day and he was like, hey, we're going to be redoing the worship center and we need another cross. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I I think I have some some leftover wood left and, you know, some more metal. And he's like, but we need it to be bigger. And so I was like, all right, how how big do you need it? And he was like, well, like a lot bigger because it's going to go at the front of the worship center. I told you I was going to get emotional about this. Because this is just it's such an it's such an honor, you know. And when he said that it kinda hit me. Cause I was like I was just thinking to myself, like, I'm not I'm not qualified to build something that's this massive and, and this important. And I found myself in the worship center one time and I realized that all of the pews were disassembled and they were just strewn about in different piles. And I saw a pile of the the rails that were the, the top rails of the back of the pew. And so I asked Ryan, what if we used it for the cross? When I asked him about it, he was just over the moon. He was like, yes, that would be awesome. Let's do that. If you were to ask me why I wanted to incorporate the wood from the old pews, I think my answer when I started the project would be different than the answer that I would give you now that the project is done. Because when we started, I probably would have said, because it's there. It's available and it's free. Let's use it. But as I began to break down the wood and cut it into the pieces, so that it could be assembled, I started to think about the pieces of wood that I was holding in my hand, and uh, <clears throat> and I thought some of these pieces of wood might actually have a, a pretty good story behind them. You know, maybe one day there was a guy that had never been to church, and uh, <clears throat> and maybe he came in one day. And he sat at the pew in the back and, you know, as his hands rested on the top of that. You know, I thought maybe that piece of wood could be this piece right here. And then I was uh, when I was actually at the lumber yard today and I was buying I was buying that piece of wood there. The lady was asking me what I was building and I was telling her about this cross project and she's like. Uh, what church is it for? And I said, it's for Emmanuel Faith. And she's like, I got saved there. And that was like, that really took the, that really took the the specialness of this cross project to the next level because, you know, when the the time that she got saved there, maybe her hand was, was resting on this piece right here. And I think that there's a lot of other stories that could go into this, is crossed with all these individual pieces and uh i think that's that's one of the that's one of the coolest things for me is to take all this wood that has sort of this this past and there's probably a lot of stories associated with all these little pieces and when you look at all these individual pieces that have come together to make this one big piece they're all different shapes and different sizes and different colors, and it's it's kind of like, isn't that the Emmanuel Faith family? And so it's like, if you ask me, why do I want to incorporate the wood from the old pews? It's because it's like, any other wood would have just been wood, but that stuff is, whoo. <clears throat> this wood is Emmanuel Faith. It is the family, and it's like we're all up here now on this cross that hangs up at the front of the sanctuary. The church isn't a building. It's really a family, and we're all coming together so that we can focus on what's really important, and that's Jesus.
1: I'm just honored to pastor a church with such a rich legacy, you guys. The, the faithful men and women who have gone before us. So I just, this is my heart. This new season is about, isn't about leaving behind anything. It's about building on the faithfulness of the past to ask God to do something great as we follow him into the future. Friends, the cross is at our crossroads. It's the the thing that carried us in the past and it is our hope for the future. The cross stands at the crossroads as the foundation of our past and as our confidence for the future. Friends, this is our Ebenezer, our reminder of the past faithfulness of God who on the cross gave his life for us for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who are far from God might be brought near. Friends, that is our story. That is our song. That is what this church has been about for the past 80 years, and it is what this church will be about for the next 80 years. The canvas that we are painting on is changing, but the story that we are telling remains the same. Jesus is good. He loves us. He's for us. That is our story. That is our song, and in the midst of things changing, I want to assure you the most important things will not change. So today, friends, let's remember God's past faithfulness. Let's thank him for it. Let's process how we're feeling about everything new, and then let's move forward with confidence as we follow Jesus into the future. Change is inevitable. But growth, that's, that's optional. Pray that we'll grow. Pray that we'll grow. Would you just open your hands? I want to pray over you and over this space. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit. Thank you. God, we would ask that you would meet with us in this space in unique and fresh ways, please. God, when we walk in here, may we just sense your presence with us. God, when people who are far from God walk in here, our hope is that they wouldn't feel condemnation, but that they would feel love, that your arms and our arms would be open to them, Father, I pray that marriages would be restored here. I pray that addictions would be broken here. God, I pray that guilt and shame would be left here. Jesus, I pray that your name would be made great in this space, that we would be a house of prayer. Father, I pray that people would be restored, that they'd be healed, that they'd find wholeness here. Father, I pray that this would be a place that you move and that you work, not only in our lives, but in the lives lives of those who haven't even thought about you yet that you would draw them and that they would know oh surely surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life and my eyes are open to it open eyes awaken hearts spirit would you come in this place in a powerful way for the glory of your name we pray amen